Greetings, Flesh Wound Horror Freaks, and welcome to Flesh Wound Horror Live. I'm Flesh Wound Dan, joined as always by producer Todd. Good evening. And our very special guest of the night, Joe Castro, legend, FX artist, actor now, director. You're doing it all. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you. How are Thank you, you Dan. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Todd. It's great to be here. It's a true honor and a privilege to be on the show. And I just want to let you know I really appreciate uh, you taking an interest in my work and allowing us, the uh, the independent filmmaker, to come and uh, and play and talk about ourselves. You know what you do for the community is a very very valuable and a very important part of uh, uh, our careers. And so we appreciate you very much. Well, we appreciate you as yeah. well. Lots of lots of great movie memories, and I'm sure we'll dive into that. But uh, uh, you've got some new projects, a lot of new projects that we're very excited about. Uh, I, I I know uh, Todd and I are big Terror Tunes fans, so oh. I still remember going into the video store and seeing that brain damage uh, VHS and. So you have a premiere coming up for the fourth film, correct? That's correct. We are premiering, uh, having the world premiere of Terror Tunes 4 uh, this coming Friday in uh, two days. Um, and it's been 10 years in the making. We've been making this movie for 10 years on and off. Of course, my husband, Steven Escobar, and I have other full careers as special effects artists. He's an editor and producing other things. So uh, we've been like slowly chipping away at this kind of like this what is it called behemoth of a film uh you know like we made the first terror tunes in three days we literally shot it in three days we shot it on easter weekend and it was a friday saturday and sunday all the way to monday morning uh and uh the first day was a um uh 12 hour regular 12 hour shoot day and then the second day was a 17 hour day and then the third day on sunday when we came in was a 25 hour day all the way to like monday morning at like 8 a.m. when you can hear people starting their cars to go to work and <laughs> garage doors opening up and you know the birds chirping and we're trying to get the last shot while someone's trying to pump the blood as Dr. Carnage is dying, you know. And uh, and I remember at the very end of the last day going, uh, oh, we shot it in my executive producer's home, who he had given permission uh, to this girl to come in and paint all the walls like cartoons. And so I crept into his bedroom and I said, he was, you know, asleep on his bed. And I just kind of tapped him on the shoulder. I said, hey, we're done. Do you have a movie? <laughs> 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 That's how it ended. Yeah, I'm not even remotely kidding, you know. Uh, but uh, yeah, that was a good time. That was back in 2001. And, you know, you can't make, you, I mean, you can, but it was a different time. It was a different uh, a different era for filmmakers and how we make money and how we in turn take our films and put them out into the uh, the world. You know, back then you could make a movie for, I made that movie for $2,300. Oh, wow. And, Very uh, ambitious film, it, too. It, it, it was considered, uh, there, there, there was a, there was like this um, IMDb, like, uh, poll, I guess, no, uh, IMDb, like, list, like, what is it, high budget, high bu high concept, low budget films. Like, uh, mm -hmm. it made it into the top, top 20 high budget, low concept or no high concept low budget films and um you know what's the point i was trying to make oh you know yeah yeah it was just it, it, we, we didn't really have anybody telling us we couldn't you can't do that you can't do that for 23 you can't do that so we just did it you know and it's and it's no secret like back in the day in like the 1950s they used to make movies in three days 
what they would do no. is they would shoot a film on a regular budget. And if they had enough film left over at the end of the shoot, they say, well, how much, how much time you got there? You know, and they'd be like, oh, we got about 120, 20 minutes worth of film here. Like you could shoot a 90 minute movie with that, <laughs> you know, or an 80 minute movie with that. And you, maybe you get like two ratio, two to one shooting ratio on some takes, you know, if you play your cards right. And, uh, and so they would go and make a whole other film on what, what they had left, you know, the, and uh, that's where short ends came from. You know? mm -hmm. And so uh, I kind of took that whole concept and ran with it when we did the three day shoot. I'm like, hey, if they can do it and they would shoot the movie in three days, you know, because they had like maybe a couple of days left over for studio rental. They had, you know, you know, uh, uh, a one to one, sometimes two to one shooting ratio. And they're like, let's do it. And they would literally, uh, in fact, I worked on a film in Austin, Texas, where they the basis of the film was about the making of one of these low budget films in the 1950s. It was called Attack of the Bat Monster. And what they would do is they would give the writer some meth, basically. And they would say, and like a little bit of money. And they say, when you bring me the 30 pages, you get some more meth. And you get a little more money. And you got to bring it to me at the end of the day, and we'll shoot that stuff the next day. And that's how they would make these micro-budget movies back in the fifties. <laughs> Math addicts get stuff done. Yeah, yeah. Just always on time. So, so, you know, I just took that whole concept and said, "We're going to shoot a movie in three days. We're going to do one-to-one -one shooting ratio." And what would happen is, we rehearse the take, and then we would shoot it. And if they messed up the take, I would just pick up the take from where they messed up from a different angle. And then I go forward from there, you know, and uh, that's how we did terror tunes one. But uh, we shot that movie in three days, $2,300. I think it took us something like maybe about 11 months of post-production to put it together because in 2001, when people were editing non-linear, uh, it was very, very different. It was final cut pro non-linear was a different, different time. A lot of people didn't know about it, but what they would do is um, after effects wasn't as pre prevalent. And so when we made Terror Tunes 1, my husband, Steven Escobar, taught himself how to use After Effects mm -hmm. to build all that stuff, you know. As we, as, he'd teach himself a little something. We'd make an effect and move forward with the edit and this kind of thing. So, so Terror Tunes 4 has been 10 years in the making. It is uh, ba basically a 100-minute special effects shot, literally. It's, it's all, yeah, it's got a lot of practical, a lot of digital, uh, even has some stop motion in there. Uh, but uh, it's a labor of love and we've been doing it for a long time and uh, I'm super proud of it and I can't wait for it. I think Todd, you're coming, right? I gotta come yeah, that, that's I the just, plan. <laughs> I can't wait for you to see it. I mean, uh, Brink Stevens gets her, makes her directorial debut in this film. She actually wrote, starred in, and directs a portion of the film, a 38-minute portion of the movie. It's called Personal Demons and uh, it's done very like, uh, like classic, like um, what's that Walt Disney film with the... Uh, with the with that big demon character and it's on top of the mountain fantasia fantasia it's yeah done, it's done in a very fantasia kind of like style and uh it's called personal demons and brink stevens wrote it and directed it oh that's uh, awesome love yeah. brink yeah yeah, yeah she's yeah. an amazing talent yeah and, and i'm just go ahead no i was gonna say i'm looking at the cast there there's some some cool people in there yeah got billy yeah. butler's in it too billy butler yeah. from uh, uh yeah, billy butler's a, a very well-known director now but he was yeah. in the remake of night of living dead directed by tom savini and yeah. um he was also in one of the friday, friday 13th and um chainsaw so, texas chainsaw three yes right yeah billy's in it and Lene is in it from return of the living dead and uh she does some some really uh like smoky scenes with uh brink I'm excited for everybody to see. And then um uh, Debbie Rashawn is in it. 
there was yeah. a real nice uh nice uh part in it as well so super excited for everybody to see that and then um you know territory four is basically the uh the majority of it is the origin story of dr carnage so when we made the first Terratunes, we made it for twenty three hundred dollars in three days and i said okay if we're going to do the one last Terratunes, we want to shoot it and make it look like the way we always really wanted it to look so we're going to raise some money and we're going to put that we're going to put all of it into this really cool origin story of dr carnage and that's what we did we you know we rented a movie studio we brought in all the the the, the name talent we could find in la at the time we shot it during the pandemic and um you know uh, dr carnage and max assassin the villains for the first film get a uh, get a makeover in this movie and uh it's fun it's a lot of fun let's put it this way there's no fluff in this movie it's all the good <laughs> stuff all good stuff no fluff hopefully hopefully by the end of the screening you know your 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 what do you call it? your blood level will be elevated be like dun, 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 dun. i want to be able to be kind of like kind of like you know shaking a little bit you know and uh also somebody that todd and i are familiar with lizzie borden of xpw oh, fame that's right right lizzie uh, lizzie has uh, a portion of the film also she's gonna have her own story in the film mm -hmm. as well and uh she she uh i let's put it this way it's a whole class of characters all on her own you know lizzie okay. is one of a kind there's nothing like lizzie borden on the planet and i'm so happy to present this this one story about her in the film and uh it was written by a fan of the first film his name is wesley woodfin and uh the the, por the portion of the film that lizzie's in is called the 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 heads of mr switch and um it's a really cool story it's about a, a character that dr carnage invents and he's got the ability to change his heads you know the anything okay. anything possible anything goes right <laughs> so you can only imagine what he changes his heads into but lizzie's involved in that so. <laughs> that's awesome that's yeah. awesome and uh it was interesting because when i saw terror tunes of course i was a big evil tunes fan and when i saw your name on terror tunes i was like oh he worked on evil tunes it's yeah. like a childhood favorite yes <laughs> you know that was uh you know fred Olin ray i have to give a yeah. big nod to fred Fred has been an amazing mentor and a, you know, he's, he's inspired countless of independent filmmakers oh, yeah, all over yeah. the world. You can't even, you know, he's, his, his work has influenced everybody. And I remember seeing biohazard as a child and scalps and being able to work with him on set the first time was just, you know, it was like a dream come true. And mm. uh, he, he gave me the opportunity to work with Dick Miller, you know, from the Howling oh, and, yeah. and all the great films we love uh, with uh, the Gremlins and uh, Bucket of Blood, yeah, uh, 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 Twilight Zone, the movie, and uh, oh, yeah. yeah, all of them. And uh, I remember when Dick Miller came to sit in the makeup chair, I was supposed to put like a like a wound on the side of his head, and um, he sat down, and I recognized who he was, and uh, I didn't know I was putting makeup on Dick Miller. I was 19 years old, and he said, uh, and I was shaking, and he said, "What's wrong?" And I'm like, "You're Dick, I just you're Dick Miller, you know." He's like, "Don't be, don't be, don't be embarrassed, don't be, don't be nervous." And I'm like, "Oh, I'm trying, you know, <laughs> I'm trying not to be nervous." Uh, but Dick became a friend of mine, and uh, you know, I was able to uh, kind of see his career continue on after that, and of course, all the amazing things he's done, and of course, he's passed on, and I was able to see him right, I was able to see him before he died like a few months before he died and uh i uh, went over and showed i held up this picture that i took someone took of me and him on set the very first moment i met him and uh i tried to recreate that image with him later on right before he died and you know just i have this it's just a real nice memory to have and just a super nice man yeah very talented man
Yeah, I met him at a convention. He was really nice to my nephew. And yeah, really, really just a icon. I, I love Dick Miller so much. Great documentary on him, too. That guy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I had a chance to see that with him live downtown oh, that's uh, awesome. here oh, in that's LA. Cool. And uh, yeah, they did him justice. They really did a really good job for him. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I remember, um, well, um, let's see. Uh, uh, what, what, what about um, Evil Tunes? Oh. I got to work with Madison Stone and Artie Johnson. You know, remember Artie Johnson? Oh, Artie yeah. Johnson was in Love at First Bite. Do you remember him in Love yes. at First Bite? <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, I just as a child, I, I mean, what, what is that, 1978 or something like that when it came out? I just remember in the commercial seeing him laugh as he ate a bug or something like that, <laughs> uh, you know, and then being able to work with Artie on that it was also a dream come true. And of course, my dad's favorite movie of all time was, have you ever seen Lone Wolf McQuaid? Yeah. Oh yeah, Chuck Norris. Okay, yeah. So my my dad's favorite movie of all time was Loaf of Okay. He had it on like VHS, and you know, anytime anybody came over to the house who had never seen it, it's like, hey, have you seen Loaf of Okay? And they said, no. I'm like, oh, here we go again. You put, put Loaf. <laughs> he must have seen that thing over a hundred times on VHS. And uh, 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 when I got a chance to work with David Carradine and sent the pictures home, uh, you know, like it was like the first or second year I was out here in LA, and he saw me with Dan, uh, David Carradine. It was just, you know. My, it really made my dad proud. So, and that's all I really wanted to do is make your dad proud, you know. And um, you know, one other thing is my dad always promised. I made my dad made me promise him that I would never stop living this well, chasing the dream. And of course, now I'm living the dream, but chasing this dream, and, you know, because he knew it would be the thing that would make me happy, and he wanted me to be happy. You know? Oh, that's so, awesome! Yeah, yeah. Now we we. Um... Todd and I were talking. I know Madison does tattoos now. Yeah, so we, did. yeah, we want to get an Evil Tunes tattoo from Madison. That's <laughs> oh, the goal. <laughs> well, your shop's over here. I believe it's over here still in North Hollywood on uh, yeah. uh, 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 Magnolia Avenue, just past. Um, I want to say um, uh, Tahanga or Coenga or something like that over there. Yeah, 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 yeah. I haven't talked to her in many, 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 many years, but yeah, uh, yeah. She's a uh, she's also one of these. Uh, one of a kind chicks as well. <laughs> uh, yeah. And you've worked with so many legends, but uh, also uh, I know you worked on Uncle Sam with uh, William Lustig. Yeah, 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 I did. You know, at the time I had no idea how, sometimes you just don't know how close you are to greatness. You know what I mean? Or like, <laughs> I didn't know that I was working with, like all I knew that I had to go there and like, you know, remove the burn makeup off the little kid. And mm -hmm. I know PJ Souls was on set. And, oh, yeah. you know, was, I was, what, 24 or something like 25. I mean, I mean how, how much are you really actually thinking when you're 24 years old? <laughs> you know, you're not even thinking. You're just, like, jumping from one moment to the next, right? So, but, uh, you know, the, the, the real, the real, um, one of the real special moments I've had in my career that no one ever really talks about was I worked on a movie called Auntie Lee's Meat Pies. Oh, yes. yeah. And, and I said, yeah. just put that on Blu-ray last year. Yeah, yeah. I worked on Auntie Lee's Meat Pies and uh, I made all the I made all the body parts. I, I put all together all mm -hmm. the body parts. And then, of course, every, all the rest of the key heads did like the heads and this and that other kind of stuff and the big snakes and whatnot. Uh, but uh, uh, got to meet Karen Black, Pat Morita mm -hmm. before he died. And... Um, uh, 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 from the Hills Have Eyes. Uh, Michael Berryman. Michael Berryman, yeah. Yeah, you know, and back then, you know, we didn't have cell phones. So, you know, you had to bring a camera on set and, you know, no, and take a, I just, you know, I wasn't really thinking at the time. So I really don't have many, I don't have any pictures from then, but that would, those would have been some good selfies to have, you know. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. If you had like one movie, not necessarily have doesn't necessarily have to be a horror movie that like inspired you, that yeah. just the one that made you follow yeah. your dream. Yeah. You, you, well, oh, you haven't heard this one yet. Everybody, I, I thought like most, almost every one of my interviews. This is it, this is this is the deal. This is how it goes down. So when I was seven years old, my father was babysitting me because my mother was away. She was a school teacher and she uh, it was like during the summer. And so the mm -hmm. school teachers would all get together and they'd go like on vacation somewhere, you know, that I'll drive to like another city or take a cruise or blah, blah, blah. And um, so she went away. And I guess my brother was out and about you know, with his friends. And he said, um, son, sit here and watch this. I'm going to be out. He's working on a goat ranch. I'm out working on the goat ranch, and I know you're going to like this. And my father was like one of my biggest cheerleaders. Well, he was my biggest cheerleader in my family. And he knew what I liked. You know, I grew up liking what dinosaurs and dragons like most young men. Mm -hmm. And um, he sat me down, and he made me watch Godzilla versus the Smog Monster. And it was, <laughs> and it was uh, most people don't realize this, but Godzilla versus the Smog Monster is like, the, it's like probably the darkest, most twisted of the original Godzilla yeah. film. Godzilla almost dies in it when he's at that pit in the bottom. He's like choking on all the gas and you know whatnot. And um, I that was like the first feature film that I sat and watched by myself without any supervision in the room. And you know when that movie was over, it was a Saturday afternoon creature feature. And when the credits started to roll, my dad came in to check on me and he said, "Would you like that?" You know, and I'm like, "How do they do that, Dad?" He said, <laughs> "He said, well, let's look, let's look." And we, he sat with me and we watched the credits roll. And you can see where it said creature, you know, creature effects. Of course, it was American. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, 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 where they, you know, they changed the word to American, but whatever. Right. Creature effects and <laughs> and whatnot. And uh, he said that's how they do it. They do it with special effects, son. That's how they do it. And I said, yeah, that's that's what I want to do. And that was where it all began. I mean, it was it's as clear as it was yesterday. I can remember it specifically how it went down. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. That's awesome. We actually have a question. Dan, you want to read that one for us? Yeah. Oh, wait, we gotta... wait, wrong one. <laughs> there we go. Ben Grimm. Uh, ben Grimm asks, what special effects moment in uh, a movie are you most proud of? Oh, wow. Well, that's, that's a great a question. Tough one, yeah. Hey, Ben. How's it going? Um, that's a great question. There's going to be a lot. But I, I will say um, that um, working with Herschel Gordon-Lewis oh, on yeah. the sequel to uh, Blood Feast, and most people don't realize that Blood Feast the original Blood Feast is considered by Joe Bob Briggs, maybe not by everybody, but by Joe Bob Briggs, which is good enough for my standards, uh, the very first slasher splatter movie ever made. Now, some people will say Psycho, but Psycho really didn't really exploit gore or blood. So, uh, you know, Blood Feast uh, is uh, 1963. And um, there was an effect I did in that film that Herschel specifically requested i do a certain way and it was where a girl gets a uh, turkey car they take a turkey carver to the back of a girl's neck and they slice her neck and then they peel her skin over her face like an orange peel <laughs> and um when i took that job it was handed to me by the production company uh special effects company i was working with because the they, they weren't offering very much money to do the effects so they handed it to me to do and it was they were betting they were like counting they, they wanted to see if i failed they mm. were like like oh, let's see if this kid can let's see what this kid can do and things and stuff blah, blah, blah. and they had no idea that it was going to be like the beginning of an amazing relationship with, with herschel and it was going to be like the best thing that ever happened to my career so i took this minuscule amount of money that they gave me and i made this you know i, I did my best i made uh, uh i took a, i took a life cast of this girl her name was beverly hubshire beverly lynn 
who uh, mm-hmm. is, is star of a ter- original territory. And I made a mold of her head and her torso and her arms and her, her thighs, I think, and her back and her butt. And, uh, and so I, I made the, these generic female body parts. And I knew all the girls had to be killed. And uh, I made this beautiful skinned, skinned headpiece and, uh, uh, you know, just, just some basic, simple puppeteering. But I put um, uh, wire hangers through the back of the skull up to the eyeball so the, eye, the eyes could have a little jiggle like, oh, you know, and I put one <laughs> in the tongue. I made sure the tongue was made out of uh, like a like a it was it was basically a urethane resin. But it was just when silicone was starting off in 2000, I guess. And so it would flop in the mouth. And uh, I did my best with very little money to make that effect. Just like, wow, Herschel. And Herschel just loved it, you know. And it began an amazing friendship with Herschel Gordon Lewis, who became wow. one of my my biggest inspirations and mentors for, for over a decade. And, uh, you know, he, he, of course, has passed on. And I can't, I can't say how much that man did for all of us. I mean, we, us three, we're all sitting here having a conversation because of the likes of Herschel, you know, because of the likes yeah. of Fred and, and these people, but Herschel yeah. you know, is one of them. Yeah. Oh, pioneer. I've, uh, I'm a big collector obviously. And, uh, that box set that they put out of like uh-huh. most of his entire filmography, it's like the cereal box. That's probably my favorite, uh, in my collection. Herschel, those movies hold up so well. They're just so entertaining. Mm. Every single thing he did, I just, I'm a big color me blood red guy. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. When, when, whenever, whenever I, I, I come across someone that thinks they're a real horror junkie, I go, Hey, you know what the first slasher movie is ever made? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, Oh, uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I'm like, no, 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 sir. No. <laughs> and then I have to school them on that, and then, it, then, but then I go even further. Like, if you run across somebody that doesn't know who Herschel is out in the, like the regular world, I'm like, have mm. you ever seen that movie Juno? And most people have because it was. Yeah. Then it win an Academy Award. It won like an Academy I Award. believe so. Yeah, yeah. best director. I'm like, yeah, I said, did you ever see the movie Juno? And he has to, they said like, they're like, yeah. I'm like, Do you remember when the girl was seducing the man for the first time? I think they were in her apartment, and she goes, "Have you ever seen The Wizard of Gore?" <laughs> do you remember that? Do you, do you remember that? He goes, have you seen the Wizard of Gore? And he goes, no, I have not. He goes, you've never seen the Wizard of Gore. Let's put it on and watch it. And it's true. It's like Herschel told me uh, when they made that film um, uh, that he didn't know that they had used the piece. They shot it, whatever. And mm-hmm. then one day, a giant check just came in the mail and said, "Thank you for letting us use you there." <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, Ben Ben has a couple more questions. Okay. Um, what's your weirdest fan interaction? Oh, um, that could be awkward. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Okay, I'm not gonna say any names. <laughs> okay. But um, sometimes I wonder, like, I've had a fan who was like you know, a closeted gay man who wanted to be a part of my productions, who then turned out to be a stalker who I had to like, you know, and like it turned, you know, they, they come innocently, they get innocently into your life. Let me be a PA, let me help. But you have no idea that they are stalking you, you know? Uh, and uh, it took a while to get rid of that one, but uh, it, yeah, it did take a while. It took almost a year and a half. Oh, wow. I don't say any names, but um, that was a really crazy one, you know. And um, other than that, everybody's pretty. I'm the weird one. Yeah, I'm the one you got to be. Weird. I'm the one you got to be afraid <laughs> afraid of. Uh, yeah. Well, Ben's question's next was a little easier. What's the coolest thing that's happened to you being a horror director? That's a great question. 
there's a lot a lot of cool things have happened but you know like here, here's here's like a couple off the top of my head uh i have a guinness book of world record for the mm -hmm. highest body count in the summer of massacre summer yeah. massacre, 155 kills yeah that was a really cool thing and then also um um being able to be written up and be considered a director in famous monsters of film land by um forrest G. ackerman you know I, I, I did either of you two ever buy famous monsters of film Land off the actual shelf right in 1977 i bought like issue number i don't know what it was maybe it was a 78 or something like that and um and then i got to be friends with uh forrest G. ackerman and uh, later on i cast him in my first feature film ceremony and then he he we did a write up in the in, in famous monster film that that was really cool to see my name in the magazine with um with you know and he compared me to the likes of John Landis and Joe Dante and this kind of thing so that was cool and then ultimately you know what I really really love I love making special effects for my nieces and my nephews and my friends kids that's like the best for Halloween you know making mm. costumes making like really gory Halloween costumes for children uh, <laughs> that, that really uh, really takes a cake uh, this, this past year I made a, a one of my best friend's son up as a zombie and you know just like super realistic flesh hanging off this child's face <laughs> the blood dripping down and you know painting his hands so they're all rotted and you know whatever i gave him a giant a, a, a nice big uh arm to carry around with him like he so his you know that kind of thing that's always fun you, you, adults look at that like where do you get where do you get that weirdness from where do you get that blood from oh my god that's nobody's funny. giving him any toothpaste <laughs> yeah. so just, you know. uh, we got a, a, another one this one from indie phantom what products or technology has impressed you or made your craft easier or better? That's a that's a great question. Um, you know, right now, I, my biggest my, my biggest uh, um, uh, tool that I love to use is this EcoFlex Thirty, which is a brand. It's not brand new, but it's new to me, and I love working with it. It's a silicone. It's a very very fleshy silicone, and it's easy to paint, and it um, it just makes amazing realistic flesh. You know. If you want, you know, if you want, if you want this stuff to jiggle like real human skin, and uh, you you really want to have a, 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 a this this hyper realistic illusion happening, you want to use this EcoFlex, and I think it's by Smooth On, but uh, and, and the painting it's very simple as well. I paint I paint it with uh, with uh, silicone paints and uh, very quick, easy splattering and a little light airbrushing, and you get some really really realistic stuff. But ultimately, anything silicone anything silicone you know uh unless you want your stuff to look like it's something from the 80s and you want to use rubber and foam you know then that's classic but i, I tend to like do this stuff like i like uh, people ask me oh, what, what, what do you consider your expertise and I, I like to go with you know a little bit of hyper realism you know i always like to start with something real and go from there i think too fantasy you might lose a large audience if it's too weird and obscure i've done that already and you know i kind of want to move on to some new things and i'm trying to do a lot of a lot of hyper realistic stuff i think people get like really sickened and grossed out by hyper realistic stuff and it doesn't take much to do it either if you look at like actually like medically accurate creepy shit, it doesn't really take a lot of blood to do it in fact too much blood might actually spoil the effect if you do, don't do it correctly you know and uh, uh yeah but yeah silicone's my jam i love it um, a kind, a kind of a follow-up. Do you prefer realistic effects or more comically outrageous 
And what did you find most challenging? Yeah. So a really good mentor of mine sent something. I've had, first of all, I had some amazing mentors over the years. And especially in the last few years, uh, I had a chance to sit and watch Brian Wade. He's an amazing sculptor. I can't even tell you how many different things he's done that we have all enjoyed. One of them being the original, the remake of John Carpenter's The Thing. He worked on oh, that. Wow. I have to sit <laughs> and watch this man work and sculpt and, and, and learn from him. Uh, and then, um, uh, uh, of course, uh, Rob Berman, Tom Berman's son. Rob, uh, Tom Berman is responsible for every creature feature that we love growing up. The prophecy, the beast within, cat people, and uh, you know, uh, and then and then Rob worked on John Carver's remake of the thing, Ghostbusters. Um, I just on and on and on. I can't, it's so many different movies. Anyways, um, Rob told me um, if you don't master realism, you will never understand surrealism. And when I hear when he told me that, you know, half of learning is really not really. Half of learning for me has been understanding what is being told to me through the eyes of my mentor through the eyes of the person who's teaching me not my own eyes because my own eyes will put a filter into it you know what i'm saying like the information goes in i put in the joe filter and then you get something else out and i don't want that i want the right from the source and uh, and, and and that's what rob told me he said joe and what you need to understand and then perfect realism before you a master surrealism and i understood what he meant you know and i took it and ran with it so i, I like over the top comical stuff if it's done and it's like truly original you know i like that now stuff that's over the top it's like i've seen it before no you know and uh uh but uh i, I kind of like to go more for the hyper realistic stuff these days and that that's because i've done all the kind of campy stuff in the past so i try to stay more towards the realistic stuff today that's awesome. Um, one question I was curious, because this doesn't really get brought up a lot, is you worked on the remake of Humanoids from the Deep, which uh, was, they remade a series of Corman films, Wasp yeah. Woman, and uh, uh, I never hear that talked about. So it was kind of, yeah, Piranha, yeah, it wasn't the first, uh, yeah, that was the first remake. Yeah. Uh, what was that like? I know it was an early one for you. Yeah, I didn't really, I was just in it for a blip. I just came in and built this um, nest, which was basically a plastic and sheet foam construction of the nest that the women were in on the beach when oh, they yeah. were lying in there, you know, all covered in the moss and stuff. And I just glued a whole bunch of crap that was laying around the shop on this nest. Of course, other people may look at it and say, that's amazing how you do it. But, you know, <laughs> at, at, at this point, uh, the shop for the shop I was working for, you know, they pumped all the money into the suit. And mm -hmm. um, what they did was they built like the head, the arms, the torso, the legs, the feet, but they forgot to build all the stuff in between that connected it together. <laughs> so oh, when they wow. put it all together, like, well, what are we going to do about that right there? You can see where it's separated. What can you do? And so they said, Joe, Joe, you know, like, you know, of course, go to Joe. Joe knows how to make something out of nothing. So they had me come in and make all the little pieces that put the suit kind of pieced it all together so that's that's what i did last minute so you know i i did my best but i was kind of like in it only for a few days probably like four or five days or a week on it I, i'm sure I, I remember it being a very fast shoot anyways yeah. it wasn't like i mean they, they spent uh, like i think almost a decade um in pre-production trying to get the movie off the ground 
And then, of course, wow. they had high hopes to make it really huge. But when it really went down, it was like, here's a quarter, kid. Go see. Let's go see what you got, got, got you make with it. They had these beautiful <laughs> designs and whatnot. I'm like, nah, nah, you can't do that. There's no money for that. Just do something quick. Come on, let's go. You know, <laughs> and uh, you got to make a nest, Joe. Can you make a nest for us? It will, will, will pay you an hourly rate. Come on, make a nest. Go, what, what, what you got? I got a box of junk over there. Go glue it together. <laughs> you know, it was fun times. You know, it's good times. I, I, I'm happy to say that I was able to somehow be a part of that little beautiful thing that we all love, right? Humanoids from the deep. So, yeah, yeah, no, that's that's awesome. I, I, I remember Wasp Woman being pretty good too. I didn't um, see that one. Yeah, that it's actually underrated. It's a decent little, very low budget, but decent little movie. I got to see that. I got to see that one. Yeah. We actually have another one from Indy. Have you been grossed out by an effect you did? What makes you squeamish in terms of body horror, for example? Um, that's a great question. Do I get grossed out by the, some of the effects I did? I recently did a movie called Pig Killer. stars Biling and um, this beautiful new actress. Her name is Katie, and she's going to hate me for forgetting her last name. Uh, and um, oh, Jake Busey plays the killer in the film. Oh, it's, cool. it's called Pig Killer. Here, you know what? Can we? Can we? Can yeah, we it, it's a. It's, it's Katie Patel, and Katie it's Patel. directed by Chad, Chad Farron. Yeah. Chad Farron directed this thing. Yeah. This movie is going to give you the creeps. There's some creepy crap in it. I mean, creepy, creepy stuff mm. in it. And um, but but I love the fact that when Chad uses my gore, he just uses enough of it. He doesn't use it gratuitously, and he makes he and it's simple stuff. That no one really thinks about but it creeps you the hell out and there's a scene where uh these pigs are eating body parts at the beginning and of course i use silicone for it and uh we thought they would just you know kind of like lick the top of it off some of them actually ate them like pulled, <laughs> you know and it was just it was disturbing i um was using air cannons to splatter blood all over the pigs <laughs> big splatters of blood that was disgusting and because i was using tomato sauce with the syrup because I wanted them to lick and eat everything. And, mm -hmm. um, and there's also a scene where a girl gets a a, 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 a hypodermic needle filled with uh, Freon in her eyeball. And that's, nope. all I'm gonna, that's all I'm going to say about that. And it's enough to make your skin crawl. It's all going to make your skin. And it's all show. There's nothing. There's nothing. What do you call it? Uh, uh, what, do you, what, what, what do they say when they, when they do it? And it's, it's there's nothing suggestive about the effect. No. <laughs> <laughs> Chad and another uh, uh, trauma. Alumni, I know we've been fans of his for years, and uh, unspeakable yeah. was his first. And you yeah. also uh, have a trauma title in your catalog too. I do. Uh, trauma distributed a movie that I produced yeah. with my on my father's goat ranch called Legend of the Chupacabra. Yes. And my husband Steven Escobar. That's where we met. We met on that set, oh, okay. uh, and um, we shot on my father's goat ranch in Holotus, Texas, for like thirty five hundred dollars back in. 1997 and it was a it's a mockumentary in fact it was shot the same month and the same year they were shooting blair witch yeah uh, it was a mockumentary horror mockumentary and uh it's about a cryptozoology team going into the wilderness looking for that called chupacabra and uh uh lionsgate was going to pick it up and uh what was the name of the the company that distributed uh anchor bay no uh was artisan the, artisan artisan entertainment distributed um um uh, Blair Blair Witch. Witch. and um lionsgate just couldn't see how they could do anything with my film because it was a kind of a camp camp it wasn't done the same way and so they passed on it and it and just let land landed in troma's lap and troma was it was a little different at the time but um 
Yeah, they kept the movie for 20 years and they made a they made a big chunk of money off of it. Yeah. So do they still have it or is it coming or is it no, no, back? No, I, I, I have everything. I have it all back. Okay. And, yeah, oh, nice, back nice. yeah. And uh um, but yeah, I have copies of it. It's a great fun, it's a fun, campy little film. I just um, you know, I've moved so far beyond it. Of course, we all grow and we move move beyond it. Even the original terror tunes, I feel like I've moved beyond. I don't know I'll ever make another terror tunes. I don't know that I'll ever make like a another cult-ish film i've made so many of them i i we mm-hmm. made, recently made a movie called xenophobia back in uh yep. right before the pandemic it's a it's just ba- straight up sci-fi twilight zone kind of film it's an anthology film about alien abductions and uh really enjoyed making it and it has some really cool alien effects in it i don't know that i'll do ever, never ever do another one of those again but it, it was definitely um, interesting to do like a just a straight up mainstream kind of film and uh, people loved it. It was entertaining and something I'm very, really proud of. So, you know. Yeah, I, I saw it. I like that one quite a bit oh, as well. Oh, thank you. Oh, good. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I know you can't say too much, but I know our viewers will not be happy, happy if I don't bring it up. You're doing a, a kind of a big slasher sequel. That's right. And we're talking about Mutilator 2. Yeah. <laughs> it's called Mutilator 2, not the Mutilator 2, but Mutilator 2. Directed by the original Bud, Buddy Cooper. Bud Cooper is the director, the man, the, uh, the myth, the legend that directed the first film back in, what, 1983 or something like that. Yeah. And I uh, got a chance to meet him and work with him on set uh, in uh, North Carolina, Atlantic Beach. And uh, he had an amazing, an amazing crew of people, probably 40 of us out there. I was out there for 17 days, and they were just doing the kills for 17 <laughs> days. And, uh, uh, you know, then they had a whole other month after I left to shoot other stuff. But... Uh, we uh, we killed a lot of people, and uh, it, Bud wrote the script with a couple of people. But uh, uh, the deaths were amazing. That's all I can say is they're amazing. And uh, I can't. I know he doesn't want me to give any of it away. I know they're gonna. I, 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 if everything goes well, I mean, hopefully we'll get a theatrical release of it, a small theatrical like Terrifier or something like that. I was and, gonna uh, say Terrifier too. Hopefully that's yeah. gonna push a lot more indie yeah. people to get into the theaters now. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping maybe later too we'll get a, a theatrical. And we can all see uh, the gore on the big screen. But I made some amazing things for it. And I'm looking forward to sharing all that new technology that I use to do this stuff with uh, with uh, with the mutilator, too. So and, uh, uh, you know, it's a, a big, a pretty big body count, too, much bigger than the first film. So, yeah, we're uh, excited. Been a long time. I'm glad that got a sequel. Yeah, I got a sequel, and uh, uh, um, uh, what else? I can't really say much about it. I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I really say much about it. Well, we I, just I, had to bring it up. You yeah, know, you're, I, you're, you did that. <laughs> I, I posted a picture of like me making a live cast of someone's arm, and they're like, take it down. And I'm like, okay, I'll take it down. <laughs> so. That's awesome. Was it intimidating for you to make the jump into acting, uh, or was it something that came natural to you? You know, I um, what? But this is what happened. Um, about three year and a half years ago, I was on a movie set doing my special effects. Uh, I think I had put something like makeup on somebody, and the director yelled, "Action!" Okay, now you're gonna die or whatever, right? Uh, whatever. And I'm watching them do their death scene. I'm like, I can do better than this. Jesus, <laughs> you're, you're making my work look bad. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> and and so. I'm like, you know what? I need to act. And that's it. You know, Tom did it. Tom Savani did it. I, I need to do this. I need to put a, a face with the work and I, and I want to get out there. And, um, you know, I take it some acting back in high school, middle school, but never really had done anything professionally with it. So I went ahead 
the very next job I got, I got as a special effects artist, I, um, I asked the director, I said, Hey, I, I want to act. Can you put me as a lead, lead role in one of your films? I said, um, uh, don't, don't put me in a small part. I, I, I'm ready for, to, to be a big gun and I will definitely deliver for you. And uh, it was a, man, a young man named Matthew Vanaha. We talk about this. He's a, he just directed a vampire movie called Appetite for Sin. About this, I mean, like drop dead gorgeous, beautiful coven of uh, of, of female vampires, uh, killing people in Los Angeles. And I become the lead detective trying to solve the the, the crimes. And um, so he cast me as a lead detective in it. And I immediately. Uh, took a professional acting class here in Los Angeles from a man that uh, is an acting. It's not. It's, an, it's not. What do you call? It's not an acting coach. He's like an acting. He will lit. Let's put it this way: some of these big movie stars here in Hollywood. This is how bad they are as actors. They bring in like this guy, right? This guy that I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. They bring him in on set, and he will read the line the way it's supposed to be read. And then the actor will then just copy it. <laughs> That's what they do with this guy. So I went and took this guy's acting class for a month. And basically what he taught me was, Joe, if you don't know how to act, you never will. Because you don't understand what acting is. And I realized that I had everything I needed inside of me, you know. And, um, you know, I did, uh, I did the, the acting class for weeks. I, you know, wrote a piece. I performed it. And um, and then I jumped jumped right in, and uh, we just had the premiere, and it was amazing. I, I loved it. I love acting. You know, I'm to all your independent filmmakers out there watching this. You know, if you need a lead actor in your film, sign me up, and I also come with amazing special effects. So uh, yeah, it's good. Yeah, two for one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was uh, it was a, it was it's different than doing special effects. But if you have have you have you all had had a chance to act? Have you had had a chance to do any acting? Uh, I have, and well, Todd kind of sort of. Todd got punched in something. Once. <laughs> uh. <laughs> you know, it feels amazing. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's amazing. I um, I just was at the premiere of a movie that I worked on uh, last night called "That's a Wrap," and it's directed by Marcel Waltz and written by Joe Netter, and stars Sarah French and Monique Parent, and um, it's amazing cast of industry professionals. Uh, but I, I do create the gore for the film, but I got to be, I got to have a little tiny cameo in it at the end. And, um, it was so gratifying because Tom Savani also has a cameo in the film. So oh, it was nice. nice. Just like, Oh, I feel like I finally, you know, it's it. I've, 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 I've done. Ta-da. I kind of feel like <laughs> I, so he got a cameo and I got it. And, um, uh, I have a I have a Tom Savani story. I don't know if everybody must have a Tom Savani story. I mean, he's <laughs> he's inspired so many people. I mean, come on. I mean, every every gore effect known today has some sort of his one of his techniques involved in it. And um, Tom, uh, uh, back in 1982, when I was 12 years old, we used to have uh, 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 this thing called 411, and oh, okay. you would you would dial 411, and if you really were smart. And you knew that where the person lived, city and state, you dialed the area code and then 411 and it would go directly to that 411, their yellow pages. And if a phone number was listed in the yellow pages or the white pages, you could get their phone number. So I called Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, 411. <laughs> I said, hello, may I have the number for Tom Savani? And then sure enough, the, he was listed. So they gave me his own phone number. 
And I used to call him on the phone all the time. And, uh, oh, nice. hey, Tom, how you do that? How did you do that in the movie? How'd you do that? And, you know, of course, I, I probably, you know, I probably sounded like, I don't know what I sound. I sound like a little, a little, you know, a little kid. Hey, Tom, how you doing? <laughs> you know, of course, you know, he probably got a big kick out of it. But also, he's a super nice guy. I mean, he was super nice to me. And he spent the time to talk with me and inspire me and tell me what to do. And, you know, that's rare. You know, like him. Brian Wade, I was talking about Rob Berman, uh, Don Lanning, uh, these uh, Herschel Gordon Lewis, and uh, the, these types that uh, I mean, Herschel was a special effects artist. You know, he's a closet special. He, drew, you know, you know, he invented his own blood formula for yeah. blood peace. Oh, and wow. um, most people don't know this. Well, some people know. A lot of people know. I have. I'm the only living person that knows the blood formula for blood peace. No. They told me before oh. he died. So sometimes I'll mix up a little batch of it and take it to set. It's still very useful at times. You know, it works great in dark lighting. It was that vivid, bright red blood. And yeah. it also sits on top of cloth very well. So I still use it from time to time. And uh, it's just nice to know that Herschel still lives on in movies of today, you know, with blood and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, it's something I, I, I just like seeing it. <laughs> you know, it that, just that, it takes me back. It's that it's 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 kind of like a sick blood red. People say it's a vibrant blood red. Take a look at it. It's like a meaty, sick kind of throw up blood red. It just reminds me of, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I like it. Oh man, uh, nostalgic for H. Yeah. Now it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I always I, go ahead. No, I was gonna say when I think of like the, I think of Herschel's blood and I think of Savini's Dawn of the Dead blood. Oh yeah, yeah. they both yeah. have like that their own look and that sick kind of red, yeah. vivid red look, <laughs> like it smells. Yeah, Ugh. it's super thick too. Like <laughs> it looks um, like paint almost. <laughs> very vibrant. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you have any uh, rec recollections of uh, David Carradine? Uh, I do, but it's not good. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, well, I mean, maybe not good in the sense that people, I don't know how people remembered, but I just remember him being very intoxicated. Bruce Campbell set. had yeah. similar, yeah. Yeah, very intoxicated. <laughs> and also remember him being half naked, basically, half naked and intoxicated. He had literally flames tattooed where his pubic hair was. Coming up off his pubic hair, he had flames coming out of his groin. You know, I was 19 years old. I was a little, you know, farm boy from Halotus, Texas, and there was David Carradine with flames coming out of his groin. You know, <laughs> little gay man. I'm like going, oh my gosh. So that that's my memory, and being very very intoxicated. I remember him being funny and um, witty, and um, you know, on all the time, and uh, sexy and naughty. Yeah, that was my memories of him. And and you had some memories from uh, Evil Dead too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so when I was uh, 15 years old, I was in a uh, national special effects monster making contest that was presented by Monsterland Magazine, which was also a uh, subsidiary or like an offshoot magazine of Famous Monsters of Filmland, which was produced by Herschel um, Forsey Ackerman, who is the editor in chief of Famous Monsters of Filmland, and uh, so. When I, I won that 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 contest when I was 15 years old. So when I was 16, 16, maybe it was 17, 16 to 17, uh, I, I was flown out to Los Angeles. I was the winner of the contest and uh, I got to be taken around to different special effects shops. I got to meet John, John Carl Beekler while he was making uh, Ghoulies 2. I got to, you know, like, got to actually like hold and touch and puppet some of the Ghoulies 2. 
puppets. Uh, I got to meet Ken Hall at the time and Cleve Hall, who also worked on uh, Night. Have you ever seen Nightmare in a Damaged Brain? Oh, oh yes, yeah. one of my oh, favorites. Oh, so good! It's <laughs> such a good movie. Uh, and and I had no idea that Cleve even worked on Nightmare in a Damaged Brain, uh, and he be he had become my friend, and until I cast him in a movie that I directed called The Summer of Massacre, and we went when I went to put his credit in on IMDb, it linked it to Nightmare in a Damaged Brain. I'm like, what? And sure, I was like, Cleve, you worked on Nightmare. And he said, Yep, I worked on Nightmare. In a it's like wow, you know, it's small world. But I got to meet uh went to John Carl Beaker. John Carl Beaker was an amazing man as well. Like so giving of his of his time and his attention to anybody that was willing to listen and learn his skills and his techniques of what he was doing. And, uh, and then of course I was taken to Doug Bez Beswick studio. Doug, Doug Beswick was Rick Baker's partner for many years, and they made Octoman together. And Doug Beswick was making the uh, giant pumpkin head creature that comes through the door at the end of uh, Evil Dead Two. Mm -hmm. You know that big thing that's chomping its jaws, and yeah. it has the head <laughs> stuck to the, the head stuck to the side of the head. And I think one of them pops out and goes swallow your soul or something like that. And uh, uh, so they had the giant pumpkin there. They're, they had just finished. And I so badly wanted a picture of it, you know, but they did let me go up and touch it. And then, of course, they had um, the stop motion models of um, not, was it Henrietta? Hen no, not Henry. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Henry uh, the, the, what was it, the girlfriend's name? Oh, the no. Yeah. Henrietta is the older. No, yeah. So they had the they had some stop motion an animation models of, uh, of, of, the, of the girl that did the dance and the, the cabin and whatnot there. And I got a chance to see that. And um, yeah, so that was an amazing experience uh, being able to like have a little connection with the evil dead too you know yeah ever seen uh inner space oh yeah that's, that's funny that's uh, on one of our other podcasts that's his favorite movie on our on our other shows who, 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 who's whose favorite movie uh it's uh ozzy ozzy v he's oh yeah on our, he's oh on yeah our, we do yeah, a inner comedy space. one okay his favorite movie <laughs> inner space is a, like like one of a kind right it's uh yeah. joe dante and um yeah uh so so joe dante picked the winner of that contest that i, okay. I won it was joe dante and john carbico picked the winners and um uh so i got to go to the set of inner space that was oh, one of wow. them and um uh so they were shooting do you remember a scene where um uh let's see robert robert ricardo robert robert yeah. robert ricardo and uh, um uh, the, the comedian, what's his name? Um, uh, Martin, uh, Short. Martin Short. Martin Short is with um, the girl, the blonde girl. Oh, I forget her name. Anyways, they're, they're all four of them are in a, in, in a nightclub dancing. Okay. And um, uh, uh, so I was taking the set and uh, there was these giant set doors. We didn't know where to walk in. Right. And uh, we opened the set doors. Of course, you ruined the take. And sunlight <laughs> just blasts in in the middle of this dance number. And they're like, cut, cut, cut my first real you know, experience in, in, in Hollywood on a big set. And, the, the, you know, Joe Dante is not very tall. He's like a short little guy. He comes walking over. Hello, what's going on over here? I'm like, and then I was introduced to Joe Dante. He goes, oh, come on over here. He sat me. Well, he moved the art director out of the art director's chair and sat me in the art director's chair and right next to him. And they went, they went on with the filming. You know, I got to see a little bit of that. That was an amazing experience. But, yeah, it's one of my favorite films as well. Yeah. That's cool. ILM and uh, Rob yeah. Oteen. I was supposed to meet Rob Oteen during that visit, but uh, he was busy working on the effects. And they were trying to keep everything super hush-hush about the transformation sequence with the fluttering face and all that stuff for the for the film. Yeah. Oh, wow. Very wow. cool. <laughs> Do you have uh, any other upcoming – I know you've got a lot in development, but any other upcoming projects that you want to promote? Let's see here. Oh, gosh. Okay, let's see. <laughs> 
Oh, I was, I'm thinking maybe I should just go go to the IMDb on my Facebook. I know. I, I was going to say it's a very active IMDb. Let me see. So let me go right here and go. So this is what I have. Uh, that's going to be. You want to you want to talk about the stuff that's going to be released? Yeah. First, let's yeah, see absolutely. here. Let's see here. Okay, we got Pig Killer, which is an amazing movie. It was just screened the first at AFM. It stars Jake Jake Busey, Byling, and Katie Port. What do you say, Katie? Katie's gonna hate me. Katie. Katie Patel. Katie Patel. Katie Patel. Okay, you gotta see that movie. It's a great film for all horror fans. It's like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre meets The Doors. Oh wow! Because it got it's got that like that, that real hip kind of vibe kind of thing going on. Mm -hmm. And then um, hold on a second. Uh, let me see here. Blah 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 blah. Oh, nice. Okay, that's so long. Um, Caratunes four, obviously. Yeah. And then um, Appetite for Sin, the Once and Future Smash with okay. Michael Michael J. Epstein and and Sophia Sophia. I, I, I don't know how to pronounce it. Like Co Cosiola Co Cosi. She's gonna hate me for that too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, and Neil Jones, yeah. Have you have you heard of it? The Once in Future Smash. It's I'm, a, I'm look. It's a I'm mock documentary about the making of a slasher film. But even better than the documentary is the film that it's about. It's called End Zone Two. So what the direct filmmakers did was they shot this micro budget shot on film looking movie that was supposed to take place in the 70s, and now they made a documentary about it in the year 2022, and it's just pure entertainment from beginning to end you're gonna love it yeah, oh well the, the once in future smash and end zone two you got to see that and then okay let me go back here what, yeah, i'm looking at the cast on that one i see mark schaefer i'm popping for that one. Oh uh, wow uh, yeah there's a bunch of like cool people in this mark schaefer is not in enough yeah. <laughs> uh pretty boy which is also directed by marcel waltz which is the sequel to blind it's a slasher movie uh stars uh, jed rowan uh sarah french and uh, jed rowan plays the uh the killer he wears this weird kind of pretty boy looking mask i did all the slasher stuff for that there's some cool like friday 13th uh part three moments in that in that mm -hmm. film I, I, I'm, at, I'm at my IMDb page. They've kind of like rearranged IMDb. Like it's such a, it's so it's weird. weird. Yeah, they, they did some weird stuff to it. I can't get to my list of stuff. I have the Barn Two is coming out. Appetite yeah. for Sin. Uh, there's a movie out right now called Night Caller, which is directed by Chad Fair about a yeah. scalper. It's kind of like, uh, how does it's kind of like a like like, like like a crime drama meets Maniac, the original Maniac, and there's a lot of scalping in it. I'm getting ready to shoot the sequel to it. It's called Scalper. I'm shooting it this month. Ooh, okay. I got St. Drago happening up in Rhode Island, uh, which is, uh, I, 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 don't, I can't even describe what it is, but it's a very surreal kind of, um, uh, I don't know. It's a very surreal, <laughs> nightmarish movie. And I'm making some really bizarre kind of like um, ritualistic kills in it and also a ritualistic character for that. And um, God dang it. Yeah, you won't even get, get get me to the rest of it. Clown Motel Two. Um, let me see here. Uh, 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 of course, uh, Mutilator Two. Oh, Tin Roof, directed by uh, Rebecca Reinhardt and uh, uh, written by Rob Mello and uh, the guy from um, uh, 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 Happy Death Day, The Killer. And okay. uh, and Rebecca wrote it, and direct uh, or directed it. Uh, love working with female directors. They have such an amazing kind of like just a different perspective of everything. But all the kills in the movie are great. Some really cool, cool kills. And I have a, a, a cameo in that as well. 
Um, oh, a movie called Name the Demon. I don't know if I, how much I'm supposed to talk about that, but uh, I will say it's a it's a mockumentary style film, uh, a shot like one of the found footage a found footage film, and it's a, like a it involves a demon, and uh, they had me do like some very unconventional special effects for it, like stuff that went way out on a limb for me to do, and they may be kind of like subtle, but they were like very hard to accomplish. Very difficult accomplishment. I think it's going to be, it's going to be a, a really um, a wild ride, a real wild ride. Um, it's funny. I see all the, the, they're saying what some of my upcoming films are, but I, I, I don't, I don't think those are on the slate anymore. I don't know. So much <laughs> of other stuff here. Uh, let me see. Uh, yeah. Anyways. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what they did to IMDb. It's not as user friendly anymore. Mm -mm. The Beast comes at midnight. The Barn too. Have you seen The Barn? Oh yeah, yeah. Barn's great. Yeah. Have you seen the Barn Two yet? No, not no, yet. Nothing but amazing things about it. Nothing but amazing things. I got to reinvent the three lead villains for the film. Uh, Justin Seaman, amazing director. He really knows how to like delegate authority to get the most out of the talent around him. And he uh, he allowed me to re uh, reinvent the the three lead villains for the film. And he had me come in and do like two days of zombies and zombie kills, which was amazing. I think I did like 24 or some odd uh, zombies and zombie kills in two days. Uh, did I say uh, there's a movie called The Bleeding Dark, which is an amazing little movie, but I don't think it's ever going to be released. And it stars Eileen Keats mm. and um, oh. uh, 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 God, it's going to hate me. Oh, the guy from the original Children of the Corn. Oh, um, um, oh Jesus. Uh, John Franklin? No, the redhead. Uh, yeah, uh, I know. I, oh, I Courtney Gaines. Courtney there Gaines. You go. Courtney <laughs> yeah. Gaines and Eileen Dietz. It's a ghost story. I did some phenomenal kills in that film. I don't know if it's ever going to see the light of day, but it was an amazing movie. Country Club, directed by Shane Bradford. It's a whole brand new crew of people down in South Texas making horror movies. And I have a cameo in that film. He's getting ready to make a new film called Bud. Uh, but it's basically uh, you know, Southern Texas, homegrown barbecue. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, chop them up, kill them, slasher, you know, kind of thing. And uh, it's a great story. It's a great little story he's got going there. It's like a motel hell meets the Texas Chainsaw Massacre kind of thing. And uh, but yeah, that 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 should be coming out soon. And uh, I have, a, like I said, a couple of things on my plate right now that I'm working on. Um, but my big thing is getting Terror Tunes Four off my plate, <laughs> and so I can move on and enjoy the holidays. Yeah. That's oh, awesome. Well, we're really excited, Todd. I'm jealous you get to see it in person, uh, but I look forward to checking it out as soon as it gets its release. So, uh, yeah, Joe, thank you so much for coming on with us tonight. It's been awesome. We'll have to have you back. I know, obviously, you've had a very long career, so there's probably a lot to still talk about and a lot to come, obviously. So, uh yeah. Well, thank you, Dan, and thank you, Todd, for having me on the show. You know, I've uh, been doing this for forty years, and I, I kind of feel like I just got started. So uh, we got five, four, I want to be, I want to be, uh, like, like ninety-eight. You know, like they come and pick me up in the morning, and I go to set, put a little blood on, and maybe have some lunch on set, and then the kids can bring me home, put me in bed before the evening news. I'll be just fine. <laughs> Let's see if we can make that happen. We'll make it happen. 40 years from now, you'll be back promoting your, your next film. That would be so amazing. And uh, once again, like I said, I'm so grateful for all the hard work that you both do for the independent film community. We really appreciate you if you haven't been told yet. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you.
and thank you for coming on. Yes. And, uh, uh, yeah, because we had you on one time before, way back when we were just doing audio. It's yeah, did, yeah, I didn't. I, 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 I won uh, the the demonoid uh, the, the disc, the DVD from you. Yeah. Oh yeah, yes, you won that too. That was like right. totally rocked my world, man. I hadn't seen that in a. I saw that movie in the theater when it was released. Oh, wow. That's how old I am. <laughs> and then to be able to like see that again, I remember seeing the credits. I mean, I'm not sorry. The the, the actual trailer on network television when it was released in the theaters for the first time seeing that burned body like jump up out of the grave you know and as, as a child that was like was so nightmarish so when i was able to get the disc from you guys when i won it from you guys that totally made my whole my whole my whole week month whatever and i showed it to my husband i'm like you gotta watch demonoid <laughs> <laughs> so all right well listen gentlemen have a beautiful holiday season don't be a stranger. I'll see you on, on Friday, Todd. And uh, we'll All talk right. real soon, Dan. And, you know, if you're out there and you want to make a movie, send me a friend request on Facebook or Instagram. And But more importantly, send me a message. Let, let's talk. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. Great show. Great guest. And we will see you back here next time. Good night. Good evening. <laughs>